I will say that as we begin to look into the series that we're about to start, that God has a sense of humor. Because as I begin to pray and I begin to seek the Lord's guidance on where we would start 2021 as a church family and where God was calling us, where he led us was not at all the place I anticipated on going. And if you remember back during the Christmas season, we talked about the names of God and and one of those names was Wonderful Counselor. And we broke that apart in how we looked at the word wonderful and and how we really overuse the word wonderful. But in the context, the word wonderful means that to the human mind, it's mind boggling. Wonderful means that it doesn't make sense. We aren't able to comprehend. And so then we looked at the word counselor, which is very similar to what we refer to as a counselor, someone that gives us direction, someone that can give us guidance. And so when you accompany those two things together, wonderful counselor, there's a lot of times that the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead us in a direction that makes absolutely no sense to our human mind. And when we landed on the book of Haggai, let me tell you, that was one of those times. Because I thought God was, this was a prank call that God was just saying, hey, just kidding. Just wanted to see if you would do it. But then I started looking into the book of Haggai and I realized, And I know y'all have heard me say this probably 5,000 times, but I don't know that I've ever seen a more timely sermon series than right now. Because if there's ever been a time that our country, that our world, that the church needs to push reset, it's 2021. And so what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking in the book of Haggai for the next several weeks. Now, you know me, I would love to say, well, this sermon series is gonna last approximately four weeks. I don't know. Yes, on the calendar, it's four weeks, but we may end up eight, who knows? But we're just gonna listen to the spirit of God and as he leads us, as he directs us, then that's what we're gonna be obedient to. So we're gonna stay here as long as we need to to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through this book. Um, And so what's been interesting is people have asked me, hey, where are we going? What's gonna be the first series of 2021? And so I shared with a few people and I got two responses. Some of the super spiritual ones, oh yes, I can't wait. Then the honest ones would say, I've never even read that book, where's it at? So I don't care what side of the coin that you're on this morning, all I know is that the spirit of God is gonna meet you right where you're at. And so you may even wonder, some of you have already got your Bibles out and you're going, I gotta look in the the beginning so I can even see what page that thing's on because I don't have a clue. Go to the New Testament and then go backwards. The easiest way I know to tell you is between the two Z's. Okay, Zephaniah and Zechariah, it's right there. Okay, so just back up a little bit and then you'll find it, okay? So when you find it, the interesting thing is is we're not gonna spend a lot of time there today. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? What's so important before we really dive into this book is we've got to set the groundwork of what has happened up to this point. Because if we don't grasp on to what's happened up to this point, then the rest of the book won't make as much sense as I feel like God wants to speak to us. And so what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna sort of lay the foundation of this book of Haggai, let you know what's been going on up to this point, and then let you know of the message that, that Haggai is going to present and bring to the Jews or the children of Israel, the ones that have been called by God, and these are God's children. And what I think you're gonna realize is the very message that he has for them is the very message that the Holy Spirit of God has for his New Testament church today. So, We're gonna lay the groundwork, we're gonna start, we're gonna throw out some numbers and I'm begging you, please don't check out. You may think, well, I'm not a history buff. I don't really care about all that history stuff. I just need a a motivational speech today and I wanna go my way. Please don't check out. I want you to listen. We're gonna have about probably 10 minutes of history, but it's very, very important that you grasp hold of what's happening so that the rest of it will make sense and we can see how God is going to speak to us. So if you go back 605 years before Jesus Christ was born, we just celebrated Christmas, so we're gonna back it way up. So to 605 BC, what was happening is the Babylonian Empire was putting together a campaign to take over Jerusalem, where the temple of God was. 
And so the way this happened is it came in, some scholars look at it as in three different waves. Okay, and, and it is spread out over a, a course of 70 years as the Babylonian Empire was trying to overthrow and take over Jerusalem. And so the first wave you see is when the Babylonian Empire comes and attacks and they take Daniel and they take the children of Israel. They take them into bondage. They take them back to Babylon and they hold them into captivity. So then we fast forward it to 597 BC. This is the second wave. This is the second attack, if you would. And this is through the prophet Ezekiel and he takes Ezekiel into captivity and then also more of the children of God are taken into bondage into Babylon. And so now we already see the second wave and then the third wave, which happened in some say between 587 and 586 BC was probably the one that we hear about the most. And it's when King Nebuchadnezzar came in, took over and destroyed the temple of God destroyed the church, destroyed the temple. And so what's happened now is you've got about 70 years of attack. You've got about 70 years of bondage. You've got about 70 years of what some people would say were just total destruction of Jerusalem. And these children of God, remember, these are the called children of God. These are the Jewish people who God had put his hand on. They're now in bondage. They're now in prison. They're now being held as slaves. And so then we fast forward to a man named King Cyrus of Persia. He decided that it was time to go in and overthrow the Babylonian empire. And so he did that. And so as he overthrew the, the Babylonian empire, he issued a decree to the children of God. He issued a decree to the people that God's hand was on. And he says, okay, you're free to go. But what I want you to do is I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to rebuild the temple. I want you to rebuild the temple of God. And so now under the leadership of the governor Zerubbabel and then the high priest Joshua, they return home and they get back to work doing what God had instructed them to do and that was to build the temple of God. Now, many scholars believe that this was the ones that returned because we'll probably talk about this a little while later, but you gotta think hundreds of thousands of people were released to go back to Jerusalem, but only 50,000 chose to go back. Do you hear the message even in that? God has provided for all to have freedom, but only a select few choose to trust that freedom. And so as those 50,000 returned back, many scholars believe that it was kind of the younger generation. It was kind of the excited bunch. So they go back and they are just ready to get to work. They're ready to do what God has called them to do. And so for two years, they go back and they begin rebuilding the temple. And after two years, they've already laid the foundation. They were excited. They were seeing the fruits of their obedience. They were seeing God honor what they were doing. They were seeing the victories. So their energy level was up here. Their energy level was full of excitement because we can all agree that it is so easy to be obedient to God when we're seeing the victories, when we're seeing the, the fruit of the wins. But man, sometimes when we're obedient to God, it doesn't appear that we're seeing victories. And so that's exactly what happens next. A big curveball comes. So here are these children of God. They're doing what God has instructed them to do. They're being obedient. And then all of a sudden, a group north of Jerusalem became upset about the rebuilding of the temple. So they go to the government officials. They complain about what's going on in the church. And guess what the government does? The government stops the rebuilding of the kingdom. The government stops what God was trying to use his children to do. So here we have the children of God. They're being obedient. They're seeing fruit. And now out of nowhere, the opposition comes and an obstacle is thrown right in front of them. The government shuts down what they're doing. 
And what happened to the children of Israel, what happened to the Jewish nation in that moment is because of the obstacles, because of the opposition, they became paralyzed and they stopped rebuilding for 16 years. They stopped doing what God had called them to do for a 16 year period. They became so quickly distracted. They became so quickly discouraged. And so now to, to summarize all of that, to summarize up to this point, which you can look back in the book of Ezra and you can see a lot of the more details of how all this plays out, but you have the children of God, they've been freed from bondage. They've been set free to go back and do what God had instructed them to do. The enemy shows up. The enemy doesn't like the growth of the church. He doesn't like the fact that the temple of God is being rebuilt. And now all of a sudden they throw a kink in all of it and the government shuts down the work. And so the temple lies desolate for 16 years. I think we can all agree we can relate to exactly what's going on. In 2020, we faced all kind of opposition. We faced all kind of obstacles. And for a lot of us, maybe you had your good days, you had your bad days, but in a lot of cases, it paralyzed us. It paralyzed us to the point where Maybe we forgot what God had called us to do. Maybe we forgot the mission that God has set before us. Now understand, we're not talking about building a building. We're not talking about going out here in the back field this afternoon and we're gonna pour footings and start to erect another building because that's not what we're doing. But the temple of God in the Old Testament is where the only place they had to go to be in the presence of God. But for us, we know that the New Testament church, that we are the church, you are the church, this building is not the church. And the reality is we can't stop building it. We've gotta stay faithful. We've gotta stay obedient because God's calling on our life. The church has not changed because of a virus. It has not changed because of political disagreements. It has not changed because of racism. The job of us as a follower of Christ is we are to never stop building the kingdom no matter what the world throws at us. We are to keep our eyes on the calling in which God has placed before us. And we can't become paralyzed. We can't become stagnant because we don't know what tomorrow is gonna look like. No, we don't. But I can tell you this, that the savior that I serve is still on the throne and he is still in total control. Yes, That's what we trust. Amen. That's what we trust. And so the message that we're gonna hear that the prophet Haggai has for this nation, for this people, is the very message that I feel the Holy Spirit has for me and that the very Holy Spirit has for you. Because in so many cases, all of the distractions of 2020 have paralyzed us to where we're just looking to somehow survive. But what a better time to push reset. What a better time to start over and reclaim the calling that God has placed on every one of your lives as a follower of him. You remember back in... First service, I don't know if they were still asleep or they just didn't care, but I asked the question and nobody responded. So I feel like I was the only guy that, have any of you ever played just backyard football on the playground? You remember when you used to have a kickoff, I was for some reason always kicking off. And every time I would kick it off, if I shanked it to one side or the other, what did I automatically get? Do over! You got to, a do over! I get to do it again because the first one was terrible. I think in golf, y'all call it a mulligan or something. Y'all have to pay for those things if you really play. 
So I would be a life filled with mulligans because I need a lot of start overs. But I am so thankful that we serve a God that when we flip from 2020 to 2021, we got to say do over. We got to kind of catch our breath. We got to kind of look back on 2020 and evaluate where we went wrong, where we lost our focus. Because I don't know about you, but there was a lot of lost focus in my life. There was a lot of lost focus in my home. And so I would hope that I'm not the only one in the room that lost focus. I would hope that I'm not the only one at home today that lost focus. But what needs to happen is the big C church, not just Chestnut Mountain Church. We need to push reset and refocus on what God has called us to do. Because yes, I understand that this virus is dangerous. I understand that people are getting sick and they're dying. But the reality is there is also people dying every single day from things other than COVID and they are dying and they are on their way to hell. And it is our job, the messengers of the gospel, the ones with the good news, it is our job to continue telling it. It is our job to continue to let them know that there's hope. And that hope is not in a vaccine. That hope is not in the correct president. That hope is not in anything other than Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you know what and people will say? Standing on the gospel's the easy way out. <laughs> I beg to differ. Because here's the question. How will you respond when doing what we're doing right now becomes illegal in our country, will you still do it? Will you still worship? Will you still meet? And yes, easy for me to say, yeah, I would. But guess what? It won't be easy. And that's why we, as the body, we need each other. We need each each other. And so as we push reset, as we get to start over 2021, and look, 2021's got a lot of us already looking for 2022. <laughs> I saw that they've got the, what, seven-day trial, and it's terrible, so they want to return it. And that's, yeah, praise God, I'm one of them. But can I tell you, this has nothing to do in here. I was out of town for the last four days. And I probably don't, well, I'm going to Guess what I didn't do for four days? I didn't watch the news. And praise God, I was reminded who the king of all kings is and who the Lord of all lords is. I found myself able to breathe. I wasn't stressed out. I wasn't worried about what tomorrow holds because I know who holds tomorrow and it's not on the news. Sorry. <laughs> Quit watching TV. Anyway, so as we go into the book of Haggai, just to sort of give you the thesis of the message that this prophet is going to give the church, he's gonna challenge a discouraged people to examine the way that they are living and set new priorities to honor the Lord. He's gonna challenge a discouraged people to examine the way they are living and set new priorities to honor the Lord. How many of you experienced discouragement in 2020? If you don't put your hand up, you're lying. We were all discouraged at some point in 2020 where the message of Haggai is to challenge those who were discouraged. But then to also remind us, to remind the Jewish people that God is with them, that he is still in control and he still controls their future but then he also wants to make sure that they know that God wants his people to live holy. 
He wants us as the church to live holy. And so just to go ahead and tell you, like I said, I don't know how long we'll be here, but what I will tell you is if we will be really, really opened to let the Holy Spirit of God move in your individual personal life, the next several weeks are going to be tough. They're gonna be tough. Because like I just shared a moment ago, he's there to encourage a discouraged people to examine the way they are living and to set new priorities. So it's gonna be tough. But I believe that it can be some of the sweetest time with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit if we will let him move. Now, I've sat through classes, I've sat through groups with other pastors and, and in, I guess you would call it pastor world and church world, there's usually a kind of an ebb and flow of the way messages are preached throughout a year based off of attendance and what time of the year it is because obviously at Christmas, you're gonna preach a Christmas series. At Easter, you're either gonna talk about Easter. Well, in the beginning of a new year, what you're supposed to be doing, you realize that on the, the calendar in a lot of churches, it's a lot of the rah-rah time. Because the reality is, is when we turn over the new year, there's a lot of people that set into the New Year's resolutions. I'm gonna get my family back in church. And so the, the, the job of a pastor is as we see new families come, our job is to make sure they stay. And the way we make sure they stay is we tell people what they wanna hear. Have you read this? I don't know about you, but when I get alone with the Lord a lot of times and I'm in here, he's not telling me what I wanna hear because it's called conviction. But man, as a follower of Christ, even for the unbeliever, that word conviction ought to be one of the sweetest words that we've ever heard because conviction is what drives us to the cross. And what we've got to understand that is over these next few weeks, as the Holy Spirit convicts us, he's not condemning because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What we need to recognize is when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's convicting us because he wants us to run to him. Conviction is what turns us to the cross. And so over the next four to five weeks, look, I'm gonna ahead and tell you, you're gonna wanna get mad at God because God is going to call you to give up things you don't wanna give up. He's gonna call you to set some new priorities. He's gonna call you to rearrange some things of your life. But what I love about the word of God is I can for sure tell you what it doesn't say. And the reason that we're starting in the book of Haggai, number one is the Holy Spirit led us here. And yes, I understand this is not gonna be one of those rah-rah times where we rally the troops and we go out of here just saying, woo, we got 2021. That's not what this is about. Because the reason that it's not about that is because the Bible does not say, if my people who are called by my name will get excited, I'll hear their land. No, it says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will heal their land. So the way we're gonna start by 2021 is we're gonna humble ourselves before an almighty God and help him to, to help us. Look, God, we don't know the way out, but we're gonna come solely dependent upon you in 2021, even if we don't like what you tell us to do. That's humility but we don't receive humility unless we surrender to the conviction. Conviction leads to humility and humility leads to healing. 
And so the message that Haggai is gonna have for the children of God is the very same message that I believe he has for you and he has for me. And so I want you to turn to Haggai chapter one. We're not gonna be here very long. We're gonna end today really, really awkward. Just gonna go ahead and throw that out there too. We're just gonna read a few verses today and we're gonna look at one phrase that we're gonna read two different times in these verses. So if you've got your Bible, Haggai chapter one, verses one through five, and then we're gonna skip down and read verse seven. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai and to Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, now this is God, this people says that the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. You see, what he's sharing there is he's saying, look, these are my children that I have told to rebuild the kingdom of God. And because opposition's come, because things have gotten hard, they're now saying that, no, it's not the right time. It's not the right time to rebuild the kingdom. It's not the right time to rebuild the temple because things are tough. That's a pretty cowardly thing to do. God's called them, God's instructed them, God's given them the commandment. So who are these people to make the excuses to tell God his timing's not right? Church, we're to still be building the kingdom. We're still to be sharing the good news. Who are we to say, God, it's time to take a time out from this whole Christian thing. God, right now I'm gonna take time out and I'm gonna quit focusing on what you called me to do and I'm gonna turn internal a little bit and I'm gonna focus more on the inside of the four walls of my home than I am all of the people who are lost and on their way to be forever separated from you. God, the timing's not right. The timing's not right. Then he goes on in verse three. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in the paneled houses while this house lies desolate? Is the time for you to live in your own comfort of your own home? Is it the time for you just to be comfortable when the temple of God is lying in ruins? Is it time for us, the church, to live in the comfort of our own home? While souls are being forever separated from God. And while we can look at our country right now and it is lying in desolate. But then he says in verse five, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You see it again in verse seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Consider your ways if we break that down. I love how the Hebrew translates it. It literally says to set your heart toward your ways. But the big question is, what are your ways? We can all set our hearts toward our ways, but we've got to examine what are our ways. What direction are we headed? Where's our obedience? Who is our heart surrendered to? And then I found a quote in a commentary that I wanna share with you that just simply unpacks what it looks like to set your heart toward your ways. It's not a very easy thing to read because of conviction. But I want you to listen to what the writer says. It says, then the underlying Hebrew says, set your heart toward your ways. That is, face up to the reality that you have created and observe where it has taken you. 
In other words, get out of your fantasy world with its magical view of life and think long and hard about where your actions have taken you. Don't ignore the facts on the ground. What the prophet does for the people of God is he gives them a good dose of reality so they will stop living where the only reality is their private one. Don't ignore the facts. Get out of your fantasy world with its magical view of life and think long and hard about where your actions have taken you. So setting our heart on our ways, then we have to ask ourselves, what is that way? Where have our actions taken us? Because in 2020, we faced all kinds of oppositions. We faced all kinds of obstacles. And every single person breathing in this room, every single person breathing at home, you responded to opposition. You responded to the obstacle. But the question is, how did you respond? Did you let the opposition, did you let the obstacles drive you to the feet of Jesus? Or did they drive you away from him? It did one of the other. Everything that you went through in 2020, you either ran to the cross or you ran away from it. How did you respond? Consider your ways. And however you responded, guess what you did? You set new priorities in your life. However you responded to the adversity of 2020, however you responded to all of the obstacles, however you responded to all of the opposition, you have now set new priorities in your life, whether you realize it or not. The question is, is that, is the one you ran to, is that priority, is it him or is it anything other than him? I told you it's gonna be tough. As we consider our ways, as we ask the Holy Spirit to examine us as he reveals how we've responded, as he reveals to us the new priorities that we have established, do those priorities glorify him or do they ignore him? I know for me, that's been a hard truth because I have slept less in the last year than I probably ever have in all of the 43 years I've been alive. And the reason I haven't slept is because I have worried. I've tried to make sense of it all. I've tried to understand it all. I know we throw the word anxiety or being anxious around a lot these days, but if I've ever experienced it, it was in 2020. Because for me, if you know me, when the sun's down, it's time to go to sleep. And in most cases, I do fall asleep, but it's the two o'clock in the morning when I wake up and I worry about the next day. I worry, do we meet, do we not meet? I worry, is this loved one gonna make it or is this loved one not gonna make it? I'm worried, is this the nation that my children are gonna grow up in? And so all of a sudden, my priority went from being fully surrendered to trusting in God and who he is to now all of a sudden, one of my priorities that began to rise up was, I wanna understand it all. I wanna make sense of it all. And so my response 
was displayed by some of the priorities that I had set in my own life. And I wish I could tell you that I'm gonna leave here today and I'm not gonna worry about 2021. Probably not gonna happen. Still gonna worry. Still gonna be frustrated. But I'm thankful that I'm still a work in progress. That every day I'm called to humble myself before an almighty God. And every day I get the opportunity to push reset. I get the opportunity to push do over because that's the graceful God we serve. So I look back on 2020 and I think as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, where did I, where did I go wrong? Where did I make mistakes? Was I always leading in a surrendered life to him? Or were there times in my life where I had led based off my emotion? Or that I'd lead based off what I thought was best? And I can go ahead and tell you, there was a lot of times that I thought my flesh knew more than the spirit of God. But here's the hard part of being a dad, a husband, just a guy. God's called us to lead. And when we lead, there's people following. Whether it be a wife, whether it be your kids, whether it be the people that you work with, but God has given each of you men a circle of influence. And I've gone back and forth with how do we even close out today? Because you know, if we're doing church normal, this is the time where I pray, you stand up, we sing, you come pray if you want to. That's just kind of how we do it, right? That ain't how we're doing it today. It's gonna be awkward. Just gonna tell you. And the first group that I wanna talk to are the men, are the teenage boys, are the young men. As a man, as you faced obstacles and opposition in 2020, The way you responded, did you respond by running to him or running away from him? Did you run to some addiction? Did you run to some substance? Did you run to being the control freak where you wanted to be in control and be able to dictate everything that went on in your life? So the message that I have for you is the same very message that the Holy Spirit has been dealing with me now for three weeks. This message has been ready to go for like three weeks. So I've had to sit in this whole phrase of consider your ways. And so why would I ask the men to do right now in this moment is I want you to consider your ways. The way you've responded, what priorities have been set? And I'm gonna ask you to get very uncomfortable. I wonder if there's a man in this room that is willing enough to say, Brian, I'm gonna be man enough to consider my ways. I'm gonna be humble enough to ask the Holy Spirit of God to convict me, to lead me. Now look, I know there's a lot of us in here and I know it may be difficult for this whole social distancing thing, but we've got a whole room. We've got an altar. We've got 
sidewalls, whatever those are called. We got aisles on the side. We've got aisles in the middle. I wonder if there's a man willing enough to right now with all the lights on, no band playing, no smoke, no anything, but if there's a man willing enough to stand and come and get on your knees before an almighty God and say, God, consider my ways. Consider my ways. You'll be obedient right now to as God leads you. And I want you men to ask God to expose. You can spread out all over the room. You can get on the sides if you're uncomfortable. You can step out in the aisle right where you're at. But ask God to consider what your new priorities are. And for you at home, I know that you may be watching online and I want you to feel like you're not a part. And so I wanna encourage you men in your home right now, if you're with your wife or your kids by yourself, let them see daddy kneel. Let them see daddy on his face before God, asking God to consider your ways. You be obedient this morning. Take a stand by being on your knees this morning at home. God, as men today, I pray that your spirit, God, would move in all of our hearts. I pray that your spirit would expose anything in our lives that are a priority that doesn't give you glory. But God, I pray today, Lord, we may not be completely delivered from this today, but God, I pray that this morning as we get up from this altar, as we get up from our seats, that this would be the starting of the process, God, of where you are filtering out of us anything that doesn't bring you glory. Anything that taints this holy life that you've called us to live, God, I pray that you would expose it. But God, I pray that we would all be men enough to lay it down. Because God, you're exposing it not to condemn us, but God, you're exposing it because you love us. You know, the very thing that we have set a priority of in our life, God is gonna lead us away from you. And God, you are wanting to rid us of that so that we would run to you. So God, I thank you for the men of this church. Lord, I thank you for the men at home. And God, I pray that you would begin this, for lack of better words, painful process. But God, we know that if we will humble ourselves before you, you will heal our land. And God, I believe if as men today, if we will humble ourselves before you, maybe our marriage is on the rocks, maybe our marriage is falling apart, but as a man today, if we will humble ourselves, God, I believe with everything in me, you want to heal our marriage. So God, have your way in this room right now. And God, I thank you for these men. 
And God, we as men, we ask all of this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. And all the men together said, amen, amen. Now I know if you're a female in the room, you're going, we got out of that one. Yeah, man, y'all better get that stuff right. No, ladies, now it's your time. And I know this is a very strange way to end the day to be this specific. But you see, every man that just took a stand up here, we don't do that just to, to put on a show because with every man that stepped out, guess what came with that? It's called accountability. And so now as I see a brother in Christ, as if I see him straying away, if I see him chasing a new priority, man, guess what just happened? God gave me the grounds to have a conversation with you. I'm okay with it. And what we wanna do is provide the same thing for the women. But women, you don't get off easy. You kind of have a two layers to this. Number one, I want you to pray that God, or that you will consider your ways and that God will reveal to you your ways that aren't bringing him glory. But if you're a wife, if you're a mom, you're a grandmother, I want you to simply pray for that man that just took a stand. Because all eyes are on him. And maybe you're today and you're, a female and your husband may not be here. Aren't you thankful you serve a big God that even right now in this moment, it doesn't matter if he's not in this room, the Holy Spirit of God is still powerful enough to meet him right where he's at. And we can pray for a supernatural movement of the Holy Spirit where God makes him miserable right now. I'm okay with it. And so I wonder if there's a lady in the room with all the lights on, with no music playing, if you would be willing to take a stand and come and bow in an altar, or bow in an aisle or bow on the sides and ask the Lord to consider your ways. As, as these women, God, have come humbly before your throne this morning. God, just like Jared prayed earlier, God, that bring our weaknesses and place them at your feet, God. God, I am so thankful today for this reminder of a reset, God. And God, we get a daily do-over because of your grace. God, that's not something we take for granted. But God, I just pray as women, God, whether your role is a daughter, a sister, a mother, a grandmother, aunt, whatever that may be, God, just a friend. God, I pray that we would be like Aaron was to Moses, God, and hold each other's arms up. God, these men that were in this altar, God, I pray that we would hold them accountable and hold their arms up when they get tired. God, I pray that we would do the same thing with each other. God, I'm thankful today for your conviction, God, that there's freedom found in your conviction, God. There's not condemnation, God. That is from the enemy, and he wants to keep us in bondage, God. But, Lord, if we would just release ourselves, God, and just submit to you, God, and the freedom that comes with being in Christ, God, I just pray specifically today, God, for a reset that families, God, get a do-over. Mm -hmm. 
marriages be restored. God, you are so good, God, and I am thankful for you convicting us and reminding of us, reminding us today, God, that we need to reset. God, I love you and I thank you so much, God, and we give you praise and honor and glory for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Women always get up laughing. Have y'all ever noticed that? Men, we're too sour. You know, I hope after today that you don't check out for the next four to five weeks. Because what we're gonna be doing over the next two to two and a half months, it may be something new to some of you, but on January 31st, I believe it is, it's the last Sunday of this month. We're gonna launch into a church-wide fast where we learn to die to ourselves. And then as soon as we finish this book and we step in, not this book, but Haggai, y'all know what I mean. We're, whew, we'll be here a while. But as soon as we finish Haggai and we begin the fast, then what we're simply gonna do is we're gonna walk together on Sunday mornings through the Lord's Prayer. Because some of you may say, well, I don't, I don't really know how to pray. How do, how, do I, how do I pray? How do I have a conversation with God? Well, we're gonna look at how Jesus did it. And so we're literally gonna walk through the Lord's prayer for three to four weeks and just tear it apart and break it down and just see how we can strengthen our prayer life as we fast. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I will heal their land. If you've never fasted, you'll be humbled. Let me just go ahead and tell you. So I want you right now to stand to your feet and we're gonna worship because our savior is still on the throne. And in the end, we win. So let's sing like we win. Let's worship like we win and let's praise like we believe it.